Welcome to Maritime Software Hub, the People Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about a really interesting topic and one very close to my heart. It's the maritime technology talent and diversity trends. I'm joined by Lena Gothberg, who's got her own podcast called The Shipping Podcast, uh, which has been extremely successful. She's had over 200 episodes and is a bit of a veteran in the podcasting space. So I'm sure I'll learn a few things along the way. Um, but yeah, it's a, a really kind of key. And, and it's, it's the first time I've really kind of spoken about perhaps the, the talent and, and the hiring trends within the mat- maritime technology space on the podcast. So it's going to be nice for me to kind of hopefully share some, some of my insights. Um, and also, of course, Lena's going to really kind of focus more on the diversity and inclusion um, kind of arena and, and aspects and, and try and give an overview of what she is seeing when she's talking to her, her kind of community and her network. Um, either in different ship owning businesses, technology companies, chartering. So an episode I'm looking forward to and, and I hope you will enjoy. So thanks a lot for tuning in. Hi Lena, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Callum, for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure. I mean, I think you're a bit of a uh, an expert on the, the shipping podcast sort of uh, arena, especially with your own show, The Shipping Podcast. So thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm really, really excited to join you. Yeah, I've been a podcaster for more than eight years now. So, yeah, I got a little bit of a hang on how to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think a bit of a pioneer. I mean, they've obviously the the, the kind of uh, popularity of podcasting is, is growing, and I'm seeing more and more, even kind of maritime technology businesses and and, and other shipping companies have their own podcast. So it's a great way of getting their kind of uh, solutions out there, and also people can start to see the individuals within their teams, how they talk, how they come across. So it's been a, a great platform. So um, yeah, congratulations on all your success. I mean, you've, I think I saw over 200 episodes. Is that right? Yes, I am on 225, I think. Brilliant. Good. Well, this is number 21 for us. So <laughs> <laughs> about 20, 10, almost 10% of yours. Welcome to the podosphere. I mean, ah, it's, it's a different thing than what I was used to before. So I have learned learned a new trade by doing a podcast. Yeah, well, it's, it's really interesting. And, and uh, no, I enjoyed listening to one of your episodes earlier today. So we'll talk about that in, in a moment. But yeah, no, obviously, welcome to the show. And c- can you give us a bit of a, an overview of, of, of who you are and, and your background? How long do we have? <laughs> no. As long as you like. Yeah, I am a woman who lives in Sweden, in Gothenburg, Sweden. And um, I am a podcaster since eight and a half years ago. And before that, I was working with business intelligence for the maritime industry. Prior to that, it was um, marine insurance. So I have been both a marine insurance broker and a marine hull insurer. So um, I know my way around nowadays. I started by studying law when I came out of school. So I went to university. And uh, after graduation, I started working within a non-marine insurance company. Because that is how we view the world. It's marine or non-marine. <laughs> the yeah, rest okay. of the world doesn't <laughs> view it like that. But So I was uh, working for uh, an insurance company when I was recruited into the maritime industry and I had no idea about marine or maritime. So I started to learn that a long time ago. 
and it was fascinating. I think most people have once stepped there, stepped into the maritime industry. It's hard to leave, so I'm still here. I agree. Yeah, indeed. Did you have any kind of initially initial kind of family ties at all in in shipping, no. or were you the first in your family? I was the first in my family. I think. I mean, there is this famous banana leaf that you step on <laughs> or <Okay>. by accident <laughs> just fall into yeah. something. And uh, it was um, the startup of a marine insurance broking house in Sweden, uh, which uh, to one of my friends, he started that. And then he realized he needed someone to take care of everything behind the scenes. So then I was recruited. And uh, yeah. I think that's my game. I'm a bit of an administrative wizard, <laughs> but also uh, with a little bit of freedom to, to grow and to be yourself. That made me continue to work in the maritime industry. Brilliant. And, and, and nowadays, what kind of um, projects are you mainly focusing on? Is it on the podcast or do you have other, other sort of um, projects underway at the moment? The podcast is my hobby. Believe yeah. it or not, mm -hmm. <laughs> it takes a lot of time. <laughs> it, it does, yeah, very true. <laughs> uh, but but um, well, I do have a company of my own, so I do a little bit of this and that. But uh, I have something that I've been doing for quite a number of years now, which is working with an association in my hometown and in this region to to actually make sure that we have broadband connectivity. So in Gothenburg. All the different automotive brands have their software development. So uh, I do organize meetings and events for the people working in the automotive industry and listening to people who are, you know, listen the speakers who knows the latest about AI and about yeah. everything else. And also Ericsson has got their global offices for 5G in Gothenburg. So I get to listen to them as well so that is what I decided to take on as an assignment because I think what's happening elsewhere on land will happen at sea sooner or later and it's yeah. so much better to know what people are talking about than to just think yeah digitalization I don't care well <laughs> I, I would say that is a wrong approach to digitalization I agree yeah and it sounds like you, you're getting a the insights from kind of uh, two or three or maybe four or five years ahead of the maritime in a way you can kind of see what's happening in the automotive industry and then hopefully you can see what's going to kind of follow on in, in shipping so that's a really good uh, yeah great great sort of um, bit of knowledge you've got there which I'm sure it must be quite valuable to better perhaps share some of that within your maritime contacts as well yes um, it is it's very interesting now, good. Well, well, well today, the, the main topic we're going to talk about, and I know is obviously very important to you and a number of businesses, uh, especially more and more so recently, is is the topic of maritime technology talent, which I'll, I'll probably do the majority of the speaking on that part. But for you, the diversity and inclusion kind of, kind of trends within shipping and other arenas, if you want to talk about other sectors. But um, so, yeah, I'm excited to be talking and diving into those two areas uh, as, as we go on through the discussion. But I guess to kind of just wrap up regarding the podcast, um, 
it, I mean, yeah, 200 over, over 200 episodes, a fantastic success. So, so congratulations. I, I, I know how much work goes into sort of uh, getting guests on, editing, producing, sharing, all that sort of stuff. So it's uh, a lot of work. Um, so yeah, congratulations. And what, what is it that kind of motivates you to kind of keep keep producing the content on on the podcast? Well, I am a, I am curious and I am stubborn. Might be that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but I don't know. I, I think I, ha- I have a passion for the maritime industry. And there are so many cool things happening out there, which not everyone knows about. And that was also the reason for me starting the podcast. I got fed up with telling my friends, my closest friends, what I was doing in my everyday job. Shipping, what is that? Maritime, where are you going now? Why are you... So I started the podcast because I wanted more people to know about our industry. And then I realized after a while that actually it's downloaded mostly in the maritime hubs around the world, which means that, yeah, people are eavesdropping (laughs) on each other in a way. So that made me realize that maybe I should have a little different angle on this. And since I'm a tech nerd... I started to interview people who are sort of at the edge of yeah digitalization and all the tools over there. So that is how it started. And the more I learn or the more I get from the automotive industry, I'm curious to know where is that happening in our industry? And also I like people. When I go different places, I, I meet people and, and everyone within the maritime industry has a story to tell. I mean, they have exciting jobs and I get yeah. so, wow, what do you do? Do you do that? Ooh, how has that come around? And what you are asking me now, you're asking, how did I start with podcast and, and what's yeah. happening? And so I think I am naturally curious about people. Um, and I wanted to make, I mean, I've been doing this for eight years, so I wanted to make something out of it. And now I got some loyal listeners and I feel like, wow, I've got a responsibility towards Mm. them. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's really interesting that you say about the trends in automotive and other other industries. Sorry to put you on the spot a little bit, but are there any examples you can see maybe that you you saw in in the other industries that are now maybe being kind of implemented in shipping kind of uh, that come to mind at all? Well, the first time I heard about blockchain, I sat okay. down with a woman uh, who's, who, and I said, can you please give me a crash course in blockchain? <laughs> she did. Yeah. Uh, and, and then later on, I interviewed some people from IBM working on the, on the blockchain project that they had with um, Maersk and the other ones started that. Uh, trust lane I can't remember the name of the project they had but so I continue to talk about it Um, yeah there are so many different people that I have met but but I think blockchain was the first one when I started to sort of hear that from the other side of the world and then start to find people within the industry what are they doing and why I remember we were the same. So I used to work between 2015 and 2019. I used to help run the recruitment at Clarkson's, the, the shipbroking house. And I remember um, us being asked a little, told to learn more, 
about blockchain. Uh, it must have been around 2016, 2017, that sort of age, that sort of time, uh, where lots of businesses, in, in particular in the supply chain space, um, they were really getting kind of advanced in it. So I think Maritime has definitely caught up, uh, perhaps maybe more so since 2018 onwards. Um, so yeah, another great, good, good example. And obviously then you've got the advancements of AI and augmented reality those type of sort of tools and things that are coming more and more prominent so yeah very interesting um and we'll talk more about that in a, in a second okay good so um yeah, great that you shared some insights into, into sort of the technology side but as far as your career within kind of shipping and, and, and businesses how have you seen their sort of workforces kind of changing over the years like from the people that you talk to whether that whether that means part of kind of like the impact on technology or just in general uh, if you've got an idea there's so many more women around and that makes yeah. me happy mm-hmm. also that i think maybe when i started that was even more male dominated than it is now and very much old-fashioned i think we are getting there yeah. uh, to become less uh, old-fashioned and a little bit more on the top of things. Uh, And I think, um, yeah, the pandemic might have helped us in a way because we needed to to be at home, work from home. That was something new. (laughs) And after that also, yeah, digitalization helped. And certain things were made digital and that helped to make our industry more transparent so we could actually stand up and say this is what we do this is how we do it and mm-hmm. that is important I think um, when I started in this industry a long time ago 25 years ago or something there were hardly any ship owner CEO that were had an academia background okay. there were more like in the very old days before my time <laughs> I think it was someone who who worked at sea, who decided to go on shore and start a ship owning company and then employed mostly his, uh, the people who worked with him on that ship. And that is how we traditionally were at that time, which then now has become a much more professional way of looking at both recruitment and qualifications and, and all of that. Not to say that Working at sea is not very important, but it is. It is important. But maybe not everyone should be a copy of each other in the workforce. Because yeah. when, we ha- when we know different things, we learn from each other. And uh, I think that is also important. Yeah, I think f- from my kind of personal experience, when I was uh, younger, my, my mother was a, a People that have heard the podcast before probably know this, but um, my mother was a Salem purchase shipbroker, um, and she did that for around ten years or so, um, working with my grandfather and his S and P business. Um, and we had maj- main, the majority of our clients that we sold to and spoke to were, were Greek, and you would find yes, some of them are ex seafarers and now come on and, and invest in a couple of ships and kind of trade their way up to having fleets and things. Um, and often the, the the females within the company, as you say, were either the wives or, or more like the daughters, um, we, we found. Um, obviously, the sons are there as well. But uh, 
my, I remember from my mum's experience, just listening to her to try to try to speak to people on the phone. They would only talk to my granddad and occasionally me, but um, mainly they would just want to talk to my granddad because they just felt like, okay, this is a lady. What I, I want to talk to somebody else, and it's just I think they're they're as you said, they're kind of upbringing in that that period of time. Um, whereas nowadays things are completely changed. Um, when we used to do the, the the recruitment at Clarkson's, the, the the trainee broker programs and things, that we'd always see around about a third of the applications would be from females, um, and that steadily started to to kind of rise throughout the sort of the later years and things. So. I still think it's very much probably 60% dominated by males that that are kind of looking to get in the industry from what I've sort of seen from afar now. But uh, yeah, definitely seeing more females, especially if you look at the maritime tech space um, yes. in, in sort of sales roles, product management roles, where they're a bit more kind of business analysis, uh, to kind of listening, understanding people's needs and customers' needs and stuff. So definitely growing. And uh, yeah, it's good, great to see. So it's... Uh, yeah, exciting times. Um, so you're going to give us a bit of an overview on diversity and inclusion, if that's okay. So can you can you share a bit about what what you how you interpret diversity and inclusion to mean, and and what role it kind of plays in in shipping? Well, I think the maritime industry has got a diverse workforce in a way. If you compare it to other kinds of industries, but if it comes to gender, it's not, as you just said. There are so many more men than women. And I think that inclusion is, I mean, it's been a buzzword for such a long time. But I mean, being invited to the party is one thing, but being asked to dance is something else. And I think mm. it's coming, the, the asking to dance. <laughs> but it's more like, yeah, look, we have, we, we have women in our workforce. That is sort of being invited. But, but not for real. And I think we need some more uh, profiles or, or superheroes that are female in our industry for people to actually see that this is, impo- this is it's possible. And, and seeing is believing, as uh, people say as well. So if you see a female in a, in a very important role, then you're going to think, well, maybe I can do that as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I wrote a little article about this on LinkedIn, I think about three or four months ago. And, and I a big part of, I think, why perhaps some businesses don't hire as many females as they should is because I think that, um, A, obviously it's trying to attract them to the role and the company to start with. But I think a lot of it comes down to who the end customer is. They think, okay, well, if I hire a lady or or, or someone that might not be a match, they're less likely to perhaps get kind of um, be able to kind of speak uh, to, to the our client or customer and they may prefer to speak to someone more experienced in, in a certain from a certain background or something um it might be a bit of a generalization but that, that's what i've sort of i've seen in the past and i've heard so i think that will start to phase out and, and i think it has been already um as that kind of end user kind of client starts to kind of uh i don't want to say mature but like um just thoughts and uh, change as well, if that makes sense. Um, that's just what I've seen from, from my, my I side. totally agree. And I think that the companies that gets that the first and hires the best women, they will mm. have an advantage to the other companies. And I can also see, yeah. I mean, from cargo owner's perspective or from 
people who are buying transport, for instance, there are so much more women. And, and as soon as they get that, uh, the people who are selling transport or, or however you want, ship brokers or however, whoever, I think they will have an advantage. Yeah, I think that it's the key thing is just getting, igniting the interest in the industry to start with. And, and I think that that is happening, more opportunities, more kind of flexibility. Obviously, we're working from home and travel opportunities and things. Um, so, yeah, we, we're definitely seeing more and more um, female hires. Certainly from our point of view, our sales hires that we do on the software side, I think it's probably about 45 percent, 65 kind of female to, to male. And they're kind of across key account management and customer success and, and business development as well. Um, so there's, I think on the tech side, there's less, um, kind of not issues with diversity, but it's, it's less apparent apart from when you get into the, the software engineering and the software development side, then it becomes very apparent. Um, so yeah, interesting time. Yeah, and, but and that is not a maritime done. problem. I mean, it's the same problem yeah. in automotive or, or any other IT business that the software engineers are mostly men and there is a shortage of them as well now so <laughs> something has to happen there um, but i think it's it's important that we i, I mean when I, the black the blockchain lady i spoke about before she made me realize also there was no man who had her position before so she didn't okay. have to fight a man who, to come forward to become a leader in this industry and I think it's the same with with the women I speak to who work on the tech side as you say developing apps or analysts or whatever this those kind of positions has not been in the maritime industry before that is why it's not that hard for a woman to get them or to see yeah. I can do this but if you are supposed to to compete with a man to be, become the I don't know some typical male dominated <laughs> position then you have to think about that as well but but if you are good at what you do and there is no one who has done it before then you are sort of the first one to do this and you will be recognized as an asset to your company i think yeah i mean there's some really inspiring like, like female kind of leaders i've seen in, in the maritime market and satellite communication space and, and and more and more so in in the digital shipping as well so i won't name names in case i leave people out but like um no lots and lots and, and it's great obviously you've got international women's day and everything and so i think more and more kind of initiatives are happening and and i don't think you always need to shine a spotlight on it i, th I think it's naturally growing um and it's just a case of yeah just just making sure that's businesses are, are, are there and, and welcoming as many as possible really and have the platform um for them to develop so i guess but, on, on but a jet sorry i Karen. also see a lot of pink washing which is terrible i mean what's what's pink washing sorry pink washing is like green washing but pink <laughs> okay green yeah. washing but but on diversity side to say look we've got one woman here now we've done mm. our part I mean, you can't do it like that. You have to have more people, uh, more women to do things. And, and you're yeah. not supposed to. I am against quota. I can just start by saying that maybe because that is also a discussion. But, but if you have two, two candidates who are equally good, maybe you should choose the woman to yeah, get some new uh, 
insights into your own company or sorry, your own group or, or the yeah. dimensions are changing. I think that is Definitely. important. But, yeah, but I, read... I do see, sorry, I, I do see a lot of companies who are, I mean, there is an international day for women in shipping, women in maritime nowadays, called upon from the IMO side. And some of the things I saw that day was like, oh, they haven't got it. They are just showing up, showing okay. something they think we want to see. And that is not the way it's done. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Be good for me to kind of get an, an insight. Well, if I, if I say the other way around, I, I did an interview with one of the leaders in this industry who said, who I saw, the first time I, I saw him was in Norshipping. He was on stage, the big stage where everyone is watching them. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he stood up and he said, I'm sorry, I cannot continue here. I cannot participate because it's only men in the who are speakers in the panel. So he stood up and left the room. And I was, wow, I've never seen that before. <laughs> so I yeah. had to go there and shake his hand. And then a couple of years later, I did an interview with him and I said, I was so impressed that you actually stood up and left the stage. And he said, well, there is no development if I was staying there. The other men, they know what to say and I know what they are going to say and they know what I was supposed to say. So <laughs> hmm. we need to do some development and unless there is a female speaker also on the panel who gives the female view on things, there is no development. And and his company, they have written down a pledge and they are actually living after that pledge. Okay. And I asked him, how did that pledge come around? And he said, I've got twins, he said. One boy and one girl. And I want them okay. both to have the same possibilities in the future. And the only way they can have that is for me to actually lead the change. So it's about leadership as well. That's really, really interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's great. Um, okay. And I guess if we look at kind of the trends in hiring patterns uh, across the maritime technology space, obviously I can help out here. I'll, I'll, I'll try and give my, my, my kind of two cents as well anything in particular you're seeing as far as kind of like maybe even like regional hubs that are kind of popping up or or types of profiles that seem to be appearing that maybe weren't five or six years ago or so i think that the companies have realized that they have to write the job description for more neutral and not skewed towards men (laughs) they have to think a little bit outside the box and also it actually starts with the branding of the company. And that is where I think a few of the big ones have realized, oh, maybe we need to have another kind of branding where there are also females in our photos and not only men at sea or, or, you know, when they have a crew picture or whatever. I think that has changed a bit. Um, I cannot say where in the world they are hiring more. I think you have a better view on that than I have. But the trend is that we are maybe getting closer to other industries when it comes to how to express what we are looking for. And new roles, as we spoke about the tech industry, that is rather new. I have seen developments about tech from... At the beginning, a ship owner said, no, we don't, we don't need digitalization. That's not for us. <laughs> That's for everyone else. Until yes. they discovered it. And then they 
started to have consultants to show them digitalization. And a few years later, they decided to buy entire startups and put them inside their own company, which was a trend for a while. And then they realized, well, (laughs) maybe that's not what they are good at, the startups, to be leading a digital department within a ship-owning company or, or something like that. And nowadays, I see that they are recruiting their own in-house developers or software engineers or whatever. So that is a little bit of a change I have seen during the years. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's been, I guess, yeah, the last sort of, as you said, from 2019 onwards, it's just really accelerated. And I think shone a spotlight on the need for kind of better connectivity between kind of sea and shore, um, in particular with getting kind of mariners on and off vessels at time and so they can speak to their families and things uh, all just not stuck in ports essentially so I think that was a real kind of um sort of shone a spotlight on the need for kind of increasing the technology side um and also with people obviously working more from home uh businesses as you said earlier realize okay we can still perform and, and our team can still work uh, fairly efficiently from home it doesn't have to be from home full time but, but I've seen that people have adapted their uh, day-to-day operations, their their platforms to allow for more kind of collaboration digitally, essentially. Um, and that's just kind of opened up their mind, not just to sort of just Zoom and Teams, but to using other software platforms and things. So, um, so what we've sort of seen in terms of kind of hiring hubs and regional areas in the maritime technology space, it tends to echo where the ship owners are really, or where the key clients are, which I guess is kind of obvious. Um, it's the same in shipbroking. Usually brokers put their offices where there might be a cluster of, of, of clients, essentially. So so areas such as, um, if you're looking at more on the more vessel performance focused kind of uh, technology businesses and, and kind of like weather routing, that sort of stuff, more, more technical shipping solutions, I would call them. You're looking at areas like sort of Germany, Norway, um, obviously you've got Denmark, um, those sort of regions, Greece, Athens, obviously, where, where the ship owners are predominantly. Um, and then the chartering platform solution, so the pre and post fixture teams and companies, they will probably go in most of those same companies as uh, countries as well because they still have clients there, but they might be a bit more closer to the commodity traders. So maybe they have more of a presence in places like London, areas like Houston, New York, Geneva, other big trading routes. Um, so we're seeing, yeah, lots of hiring in those regions and in particular around Benelux at the moment. So obviously places like Germany, uh, Belgium, um, Rotterdam in particular, obviously within um, Netherlands. Um, so yeah, lots of key areas growing, I think. And uh, yeah, as far as the type of roles we're seeing evolving and companies being shaped, I'm sorry I'm rambling a bit, but I'm just, <laughs> it's rare I've been asked about the Maritime sort of hiring space, so I'll, I'll go, I'll carry on. Um, but yeah, I, I think when we see Maritime software businesses start up, they tend to kind of start up with obviously a product development team, like software engineering team. Then they kind of go to the phase where it's like, right, now we're going to go to market, we're going to start to sell the, the business um or the business solutions and they try and tend to typically hire people a bit more experience from the maritime space um so maybe a bit less experience on selling software and data sales that type of thing um so they try and kind of upskill them on the SaaS side uh but they really need that maritime knowledge and network essentially and that's obviously still happening lots but what we're seeing now i think the 
once the, the companies are established for three or four years or so, they're starting to go a bit more Americanized. Um, and we're seeing new roles come in, like, for example, sales enablement and SDR, BDR roles. So not just a sales manager now, you, you've got layers where you can have sales development representatives, which are really the cold callers to try and get hold of clients and set up meetings for your more experienced account managers and things. So they're happening. Um, and they're using more tools like HubSpot and different marketing, digital marketing platforms to help with sales pipeline and things. So that is, I think that's increased the amount of women in the space because all of a sudden now tech com- maritime software companies are open to having these other skill sets like mar- digital marketing. Uh, and as I said, like business development, and they will take them on from other industries like logistics any sort of sales, like uh, insurance sales, like you said, um, could be any kind of retail SaaS company, um, as long as they're confident and they can get on the phone and start bringing in business. So that's what we're seeing um, a lot, especially as companies invest in shipping uh, and invest in companies. They've got big revenue targets. They need the teams to, to be diverse to get get the uh, the orders in, essentially. So, yeah, lots of change. Um, so, yeah, hope that helps. <laughs> and I think the next thing that will change is the ports. So we will see yeah, much definitely. more development on the port side, which also will require a lot of people will, with knowledge that hasn't really been core to the port prior. So so I think there is some change coming that way as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, we're seeing, I mean, we kind of split them into sectors. So we kind of categorize as port software arena. And, and, and there's lots of new businesses coming out, in particularly places like Rotterdam, Antwerp, um, and those ports themselves are investing a lot in their own technologies, kind of all different types of kind of like uh, uh, expenses associated with being in certain berths, being able to monitor kind of the traffic in and out, looking at like lay time, demurrage costs, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then also trying to digitize all the different kind of the actual day-to-day operations and uh, the documentation as well, as well as happening hugely. So big companies like Marcura, like you've got Mardocs, they're, they're kind of tech play, another one. Um, yeah, lots and lots of interesting companies focus more on the ports um, and drone technologies to help with their kind of AIS and that type of thing. So really exciting stuff happening. Um, and I guess the last one we'll just sort of talk about is also the the increase of kind of cybersecurity businesses. Um, and again, that's kind of like open up more opportunities for perhaps maybe more females and people from completely different arenas to understand cybersecurity that don't necessarily need to know shipping, um, but they need to know the threats that are out there. So yeah, more and more p- different people coming from different arenas, we- we're sort of seeing. I had the same uh, conversation with someone in the health tech business the other day, because okay. we are trying to not merge them, but we're trying to find... Uh, soft spot uh, where the automotive software developers maybe can move into the health tech business because health tech is growing in Sweden as well as a as a hot area <laughs> and, and yeah. that guy told me well if you are a software developer you can work it doesn't really matter what industry you're working in you can move between and it has to be the same as you say you can, it can move from automotive maybe into maritime or from somewhere else into maritime. It depends. You don't have to know mm. that much about the business. Uh, on the other hand, if they do get to know about the business, they will never leave. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I agree. And I think more and more of kind of the younger generation are getting more and more exposed at school and, and later in life about carbon emissions, the climate change. And as soon as we, we speak to candidates, perhaps from outside the shipping about a role in shipping, and we say that their, their solution is focused on driving down carbon emissions or monitoring uh, carbon footprint or sustainability, they do start to get interested because they start to feel like, okay, I could be working something for a business that's actually trying to help the environment. Um, and, and, and it is a really good sell, not sell, but it, it pulls people in, I think, um, as well. So maybe we don't emphasize it as not uh, uh, enough. No. I mean, that is my soapbox. We need to tell the world what we do because then everyone wants to come in here and work. <laughs> but that yeah. goes back to branding. I mean, branding on your of your own company, but also branding of the entire industry because we are lacking so much when it comes to workforce. I mean, if we want to reach all these goals that we have set up, who's going to do it? There is an entire generation who is retiring now. So there are so mm. much more people that we need to get into the business. But I thought about something else. I think there is a lack of those, um, you were talking about startups and scale-ups and all of that. Then there are not that many incubators in this industry compared to other industries. And also people working with scale-up to show them before they are sort of ready to go to market. There is a different set of skills that you need to do that. And I think, yeah, I've seen a few in our industry, but there should be much more. And, and if the nations or countries want to become more sort of yeah. famous for that, they need to put their money where their mouth is. But the politicians doesn't really know that this is mm. important. And, yeah, and, and developing got... in both ports and developing maritime industry could be adding to other industries. I mean, we could have the other way around. We could sort of export our knowledge into what they are doing. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we, we speak to some businesses like like flagship founders and Signal Ventures, and they, they, they're obviously very involved in startups, specific areas across maritime technology and things. And they are great platforms because they've got a good insight into different sort of uh, markets and how they can help their team grow either either by hiring or investment that type of thing so there are a couple around but definitely as you say not enough but i'm also seeing lots of businesses kind of consolidating at the moment um especially the last two or three years some big names have kind of joined together and, and i think it's kind of i think it's obviously a good thing but it also can, it kind of up it disrupts the workforce in, in a way um for the people within those businesses in particular um all of a sudden they kind of their whole culture can change dynamics change uh maybe completely new targets that type of thing so um we're seeing a bit of a kind of spill off of, of uh, people spilling over from that that type of thing happening where they're suddenly looking to leave and they'll join these slightly smaller companies perhaps where they got a bit more input and a bit more sort of say into what happens and maybe they can help develop products a bit better that type of thing so um that's a big part, I think, of the trend in the, in the recruitment space is the consolidation, definitely. Because um, if you're hiring, in particular, your candidate pool keeps shrinking because all of a sudden you're kind of, oh, we can't hire from them because that's a, that's a partner. We know we own them now, so we can't poach from them. So the only solution is to bring people from outside the industry in, I think. Um, and that's obviously what we're trying to, trying to do day in, day out and, and things. So it's uh, slowly getting there. <laughs> 
or maybe use different glasses so that you see the women who are in the company yeah. already. No, ex yes, very true. Exactly. Off, have more kind of internal promotion, that type of thing, those sort of opportunities. Um, good. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I think any anything else you'd like to share about the topics we've discussed today? No, I think uh, everyone should go and listen to my podcast, The Shipping Podcast. Yes. I had indeed. to promote that. <laughs> no, no, of course. And, I, and yeah, I, I did listen, enjoyed the one I mentioned today earlier today that I talked to, about. Is it, was it digital health? Is that right? The topic of yes. the discussion, mm -hmm. the two ladies doing the students and things. So how did you kind of, how did they hear about yourself and, and kind of get onto the podcast? How did that come about? Well, I have a big network. I've been working in this industry for 25 years uh, and I've been also very engaged in Vista International for a while. I was that communications officer. And I, so I spoke with women in 52 different countries every day more or less since I was the wow. hub for them. So I know a lot of people. Uh, and uh, in this particular, uh, um, it was uh, a Swedish guy who lives in Miami working with di digital health or health. And uh, so they got to know him. And oh, once brilliant. they were sort of graduates, uh, he probably tipped them off. <laughs> Yeah. to to reach out to me and i get so many people reaching out to me but i do get a lot of pr people reaching out uh, nowadays and uh, people who wants to sell everything but mm. i mean i have to have an interest in what they are doing so lately i've been just stumbled into anti-fouling and bottom paint i had no yeah, idea I and that is so also important to sustainability for the shipping industry. But everyone is talking about alternative fuels and hardly anyone is talking about anti-fouling and things like that. So I have done a few interviews on that topic now with paint manufacturers coming up and, and regulators. And so there are things that I am learning, but I'm also sharing that what I'm learning because people can listen to it. Yeah, and there's a really interesting company, uh, Silverstream Technologies, who have I think their their their, their product is focused on kind of on the hull and, and like driving air bubbles underneath the hull, so it kind of uh, reduces the amount of fouling that type of thing as well. So they're really interesting business. Um, okay, cool. So I think you, you mentioned already your your biggest hobby is, hobby is mainly the podcast. But before I let you go, are, are there any kind of um, other things about that you could share about yourself that maybe our listeners may not know? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's only in the maritime industry you get to become an influencer in my age. I mean, it's an old-fashioned <laughs> industry, so you have to have an old influencer. I think that that's one of the things. Uh, what I do different, I mean, I enjoy meeting my friends and doing completely different things when I'm off, but it's so little time. Mm. I mean, I give so much of my time and my heart into my podcast because I think it's, I mean, I get so much feedback and, and I get to learn to know more people. And I mean, having a microphone, as you know, it's like sesame open up if when you say, do you want to be on my podcast? So people are yeah. very generous. And I think I've had one or two saying no during my time when I've asked people to become a guest. And that is something I really appreciate. So 
yeah no it is it's really helpful for for, for both sides it's kind of just sharing kind of knowledge and, and obviously kind of promoting each other is really valuable and, and i'm so grateful for you to coming on um and featuring on our show so it's a real privilege and uh no, i'd just like to say thank you and um if anybody would like to reach out to you and get in touch well, what's the best way for them to do so they can send me an email hello at shippingpodcast.com or on instagram and facebook it's shipping podcast you're welcome okay great nice and easy excellent all right well we'll Pleasure to speak to you and thank you again for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maritime Software Hub. Really enjoyed my conversation with Lena. Um, also, it was great to talk about the trends in the, the maritime technology kind of hiring space and to focus on diversity and the role women are playing in shipping and, and shipping technology businesses. So thank you again for joining us. Um, if you'd like to learn more about our podcast, if you haven't perhaps uh, listened or tuned in before, visit www.cordellbeaumont.com. Um, go on the, the podcast page and you'll see there's a, a whole range of different previous episodes where we talk to other kind of maritime top technology businesses, yeah, usually either their founders, the C-suite team or head of sales, head of product, that type of thing. Um, and I'll give you a really good overview of the different career opportunities that are available in the space. Um, we also offer online courses and kind of on-demand courses um, focused on either the digital shipping market or the commercial shipping space. So please do have a look at our Cordell Beaumont Academy um, and hopefully there's something that you enjoy and will be helpful to you. Thank you again.